Hello, and welcome to Mr. America, The Bearded Truth, covering political and social issues one liberty at a time, with entertaining insights of current events and important discussions on topics that affect us all, shining the torch of liberty and brightening the future by bringing libertarianism into our everyday life. And now, your host, the friendly neighborhood libertarian, Jason Lyon, Mr. America, The Bearded Truth on Muddied Waters Media. Hello, everybody. I'm so glad you're here. Hello. Oh, so excited for tonight. I hope you guys are as well. I've got an amazing guest coming up, Sean Hickman. Uh, he's a guy that I, in the uh, absolute no homo uh, way, fell in love with him after the first conversation. I was so excited to have him come on. Uh, this guy is truly a wealth of knowledge, um, knows his stuff through and through from the economic side of, of thinking and the logic and, and just puts on an amazing display of logic and and. I, I couldn't speak highly enough of this guy. And so I knew that he had to come on and I'm so excited for the conversation we're about to be having. And of course, this conversation tonight is about individual rights and free market principles. And those two are intrinsically connected. You can't have one without the other. And and so we're gonna we're gonna parse through that. We're gonna dive into that tonight. And I could not be happier with it. But before we get into all of that. I have some things to plug. The first thing, the most important thing, nah, that's not the most important thing, but the first thing that we're gonna be diving into um, is that if you are a fellow loving Muddy Waters media fan, as I am, then there is a great way to get involved get engaged to help support the team and that is to become a subscriber so if you go to anchor.fm slash muddy waters slash subscribe for the mere ten dollars a month you can support the team and become a part of an exclusive community this is a community that gets to kind of cater and and tell us what to do you're going to be our bosses in a little bit so um if you guys have a show on the mr bearded truth that you want to see me cover with a certain guest or you have a topic you want me to find a guest to cover and and to hit this hard hitting you want to just find more information about it you can send me a direct message um but i got to see you in the exclusive group in order for me to really uh show you that i care and love you even more than i already do um and and of course those in the group will get a little more priority but this also means that you're going to get exclusive content by being a part of the subscribing base so this means that you're going to be getting to hear the speeches spike cohen as he continues to travel the country you're going to be able to get exclusive audio that nobody else is getting so everyone else is there at these events if, if they're fortunate enough they get to hear it live and that's it you guys are going to get the audio recording we're going to have a monthly Zoom call for everyone a part of it. So you guys will all be welcome to join in. And all this for the low, low price of $10 a month. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, so make sure you guys go over to anchor.fm slash muddywater slash subscribe. And uh, go ahead and become a subscriber, become a supporter, and show your love. Appreciate that so much. Um, also want to make sure that you guys are checking out the store, giving some love over there. Because... Who doesn't want to wear the merch? Who doesn't want to wear the merch? 
So you can go to muddy, what, muddiedwatersmedia.com slash store to be able to tune in, check that out, and get yourself, get out there repping the mud. So uh, just because through $5 down, keeping the word out on higher subscribed locations. Let's start by debating the status quo. Let the message sink into the higher subscribed. I love it. Love it. So we've got that from the Muddy Waters team. So excited for that. But we also have an ad. We have a sponsor for the show that I've got to, I've got to share with you guys. And you guys have seen this across the way. You guys have seen this uh, on multiple other episodes, on multiple other shows. But where you find it on the Mr. Beard of Truth show, you're going to get a different take. And I guarantee you guys are going to be much more interested in it than what you guys would on maybe even the Muddy Waters of Freedom or other shows. But here it is. Oh! <gasps> The Royal Green Series by Jack Casey. It's a story of authoritarians and revolutionaries, a young man and a woman seeking independence and meaning in a kingdom of the brink of civil war. Romance, espionage, action, and psychological drama. Elements of horror and mystery, and spiritual as well. Dark fantasy with magical realism and libertarian overtones. Themes of forgiveness and redemption, written by the author while undergoing his own journey to find liberty and answer the deep, deep questions on his mind. So you guys got to check out theroyalgreen.com. Go support Jack Casey. What a wonderful man that is. Something else you guys are going to get on the other shows. Support for Jack Casey. Support his books. Support his endeavor. Because uh, everyone's got to do their part. And he is certainly riding up a storm to help make a, a change in liberty. So without further ado, I want to dive in and bring my wonderful, amazing, beautiful, gorgeous, bearded, better than Cajun guest on Sean. How's it going tonight, buddy? Wow, that was a warm welcome. I don't know if my beard will ever compete with yours, but to even be considered in that same uh, echelon is uh, is an honor. Oh man, I um, as I said, I was so excited once I first heard you. I got to take this white screen off my face. Nope, there's another white screen. Nope, there's another white screen. <laughs> I'm gonna get this down, guys. I promise you. There we go. There we go. Once I first heard you speak, I knew that you were somebody that had the had the intelligence to know the facts, the statistics, to know like the circumstances, but you also had the empathy. You also had like so many different forms of this messaging that are going to resonate with literally everyone across the spectrum, which is why like the success that I've seen you've had so far makes sense, which is why, you know, in a future discussion I'm going to have with potentially you or with others, right, as we become successful in our endeavors, why we receive flack because, you know, we, we're, we're hurting people because we're destroying their arguments one one liberty at a time and and so i i came to you and i said sean i gotta have you on the show and as soon as you said these topics you you gave me three topics and i said no no, no two of those topics are one topic and that's the topic we're doing and and so you know you you'd given me individual rights and free markets and so i want to first ask you why is that so important to you yeah it's a good question i think first and foremost uh, we live in a society today who's, uh, where the virtues are out of order. Um, forget about economics for a second. Forget about politics. Um, from a philosophical perspective, there is 
there are other things we need to sort out first. We need to think about epistemology. We need to think about uh, ethics. And when, when I think of the fundamental rights of man, uh, and, and you can get this from uh, you know, reading John Locke, you can get this from reading Thomas Paine, um, there, are, there are inalienable rights that humans have there are uh there's there's nature's laws forget about man's laws there's there's nature's laws you do have the right to your life you do have the right to your liberty and you do have the right to your property and when you think about those rights those rights supersede any form of uh government structure that you can conceive of those rights supersede any type of economic uh, plan that you can then layer on top of that. And so the reason why, uh, you know, it, it's so important to talk about free markets and to talk about individual liberty is I, in combating the, the, the virtues that are out there now that, that prioritize this idea of equality over liberty, or this idea that you're going to, uh, you know, create a society that is uh, equal on every level, you're not going to be able to achieve that. But what you can do is you can recognize the liberty of each individual and give people the opportunity to, based on their own uh, uh, knowledge, skills, abilities, drive. Uh, you can give them the ability to succeed or to fail. And I, I believe that the most moral society, forget about the most efficient, and it is the most efficient also, but the most moral way to organize a society is to give everybody that freedom to be able to succeed or fail based on uh, you know, removing the impediments that would allow them uh, to be successful in life. And I think when we think collectively, um, and we can get into this deeper. Uh, when we think collectively, we're we're essentially putting the needs of the whole above the the needs of the individual. And by doing that, we're stripping that humanity and we're stripping that that logical uh, understanding that the rights are are the rights are granted uh, inalienably to the individual, not as a whole. And so in order to say that this group needs to be equal to that group, you're going to then you're inevitably uh, trample on somebody's rights in order uh, you know, for the greater good. And uh, th this concept of greater good has really gotten us away from the idea of natural rights. And, uh, and, and it's, my, it, it's my goal to just talk about this openly uh, you know, and and uh, with empathy, because I think sometimes people confuse the idea of individualism with being um, somehow cold, and it, you don't have to be. And uh, and and when I use words like selfishness, uh, I use it in a way that is 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 a positive thing. I don't believe selfishness is is a bad thing. Uh, if I I need to uh, selfishly invest my time, selfishly invest in my own skills and ability to be able to create, uh, to be able to create safety for my, myself and my family, to be able to produce wealth and to be able to do those things. I need to, I need to use all of the faculties that have been given to me, which include my mind, my body, uh, my creativity, and, and, then, and then put forth the work. And I'm, I'm looking for a society that would better embrace 
uh, those natural rights that we have. Damn that so much in there. Uh, so impactful. I, I, I think that, you know, that, that ruggedness of, of freedom of successes and failures, right. Um, it's one of those things that when we when we talk about this from an empathetic point of view that success can only come if there's failure if failure's allowed um if if nobody's allowed to fail then everything is a success and 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 completely oh how, how do you break this down if if everything is a success then you're actually limiting how good that success can really be right because if if somebody is merely if if and i want to get into to the economic things of like minimum wage and stuff like that um if, if you say that you know everyone gets a living wage regardless of what they do so you have one guy that's sitting out back and just stomping on on anthills right he's getting paid to where he can cover his mortgage he can cover his his car payment covers food for him and his 17 kids you know what have you um is is he really uh, affording that much value to to be able to extract that um in that way and certainly so his his success there is actually is a failure that's just been provided through the means of of taking from from others um but when when you have entrepreneurs that that go out and they try to build up businesses we want to see those good ideas flourish we want to see the better businesses be able to survive um and this is going to tie in those free market values of we don't want to have barriers there of of preventing entrepreneurs from getting into the market to where they can compete against the big guys and they can take a chunk of that pie away. And so even the big guys have to innovate. The big guys have to, to change. Um, but plenty of those small guys are going to fail and they're going to learn so many valuable lessons. And so that 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 idea of success and failure is so incredibly important in I, I know you're tired of it, but I'm certainly tired of hearing that that's a lack of empathy, that we want people to fail. No, no, we want people to be successful. And the only way to be successful is through having some failures, if that makes sense. Um, it, it does. It does. And if I could just add, I think yeah. sometimes people have a, a, a disconnect with what success actually looks like and what that roadmap uh, appears like. And one of the ways to think about this is think about when you go to the gym and you're building muscle. Uh, when you're building muscle, I can't tell you precisely at what day of going to the gym and working out that your muscles are going to be larger and stronger. But I can tell you that if you work out consistently, if you increase the reps that you're doing and, and, you, uh, and you increase the, the load that, that you're under, your muscles will grow. But temporarily what happens is your muscles, your muscles get destroyed. And they grow back stronger and they grow back stronger and they grow back stronger over time. And that's how success works. Um, when, when you first learn a skill, you need to invest, you know, a, a ton of hours into learning what it is that you're doing. And during that time, there's an opportunity cost. You could have been making out making money when you were investing in yourself and investing in that skill. And sometimes you do have to take a step back in order to be able to take that step forward and but ultimately, you can define success however you choose. Some people, uh, you know, see that as a pile of money. Others see that as, uh, you know, happiness. And uh, depending on how you define it, I think that's the other important thing about individualism is the fact that you don't want society to determine what success looks like for you. You want to be able to determine what success looks like for yourself. And, yep. you know, and, and if, if you are wired to think first about the group, 
that's fine. I'm not saying that all collective thought is bad. I think the key here is, is it voluntary associations? If yes. you, if you, if you want to help others, if you can help others, and if you're in agreement that they want your help, they need your help, and you come together, hopefully it's mutually beneficial. Uh, and sometimes it's, uh, you know, it's just a matter of just, it's what you want to do. That is the way that society thrives. By, by conscripting people to do certain activities, you're taking them away from activities that they could have done that might have produced a better result. And so having that freedom to, to, uh, to freely associate and, and, and choose your destiny. And some people choose failure, let's be honest. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and, that, and that's okay too, because that was their choice. I, I two two things I want to add on there. So first one, you were talking about the idea that you know people are having to invest in themselves to to learn skills, to learn new new methods, and and to take these into new endeavors. Right? They could have used old methods and continue to make money. And and so a, a really good example of this is last Monday, uh, there was a, a new show on Muddy Waters Media last Monday night, and it was fantastic because it was the Liberty Roundtable. And I believe that this is your first podcast as well as um, Ashley Greer-Smooth's first podcast. And so the two of you guys are creating a Liberty Roundtable where you guys are having people of of a spectrum of, of ideologies to come together and talk about a specific topic. Now, people... I, I think that there's an assumption out there that podcasting, because there's so many podcasters out there that you just literally fire up your computer, turn on your webcam, and then you go. Um but you guys, we sat down for a little while. I know you guys have reached out to other podcasters, other people who have created platforms to be able to to develop this. And you guys are going into this trying to be as equipped as possible. But as equipped, as much time and resources you guys have allocated to this, there's no guarantee of success. Now you guys are on Muddy Waters Media, so you're guaranteed to have technical issues, which happened, and it was amazing because I love you guys because you guys fought through it. But um, this just, it's the perfect thing, right? Because there's so much, there's so much potential there. And you guys are tapping into that. I'm so excited for that. So next show is going to be uh, October 4th. So it'll be the first Monday. And then after that, it will be the second Monday of every month. You guys got to check out uh, my good friend, Sean Hickman and Ashley Greer-Smoot as they hold the Liberty Roundtable here on Muddy Waters Media. Uh, Make sure you guys check in for that. Um, And I forgot my second point because I was so excited about (laughs) plugging the first one. But um, what was it? What was your could, last last couple of points? Could the second point have been that we are going to have a special guest on that roundtable? Oh, oh, special! Ah, well, I will definitely be there. Um, there I don't go. know about special. <laughs> I don't know about special, but we will have a definitely a good time with that. Um, no, it was it was it was it was to the point that you were making um, towards the end of of your fantastic beautiful monologue see this is this is pause for a moment this is why i love sean everybody because sean he doesn't have a script in front of him we didn't have show notes we didn't have a a a spiel to go from but this man is able to take an idea and run a full-fledged monologue because as you guys can see as his uh virtual background there these are books that he has memorized and he is able to just sound so prolific and and amazing uh every time that he opens his mouth and so uh this is why we had to make sure we had sean come on but but yeah so it's it's 
Oh, yeah. I, 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 I have to digress for a minute. So the idea of free market. So minimum wage. This is, this is a common talking point. Um, we're seeing where some people say the minimum wage is the right point right now where it's 725 and, and we can see there's not very many advocates for that, but we see a lot of advocates out there advocating for $15 minimum wage. Uh, recently there was an article, I believe it was a New York times saying, look, inflation has hurt so bad that $15 an hour. Is not going to fix this? We're going to have to go move it up somewhere else. Um, what is it? within individual rights and with free market principles, where is the minimum wage? Where's the correct minimum wage? And and how does this serve society? Yeah, I, I guess I could go technical, which would bore people, um, or we could just have a conversation in which um, uh, we, we could talk more practically about what the, the, the result will be. Um, for, for those that are interested in understanding why central planning of this kind will fail, always has failed and will continue to fail, uh, you can look up the uh, uh, economic uh, uh, calculation problem. It's uh, otherwise known as the ECP. It is the, uh, it's an economic theory uh, that Mises came up with and uh, and Hayek kind of added to that, um, that illustrates concretely why central planning doesn't work from an economic standpoint why pure socialism pure communism would never work and so rather than bore you with all of the details of that i just teased that you know go out there and do some research about the ecp uh and that alone will help you in your conversations when you're talking with people that are entertaining these kind of ideas and saying how it would work on an economics um perspective to to understand the technical reasons why it can't work uh, and why it hasn't worked. Um, the um, but but to understand more in more practical terms, like what 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 a minimum wage is and what it aims to do and how how it fails in, in accomplishing these goals, you have to think about uh, you know, what what is what is a wage anyways, right? You uh, you're exchanging your labor uh, for performing a, a, a job that that is supposed to provide value. If the more value that you provide, the more money that you would make. This idea that you are going to arbitrarily just just say, okay, no, we're going to say that uh, there's a floor on which you're going to pay for this labor um, is is riddled with a lot of problems. Uh, But first and foremost, it's you have to understand that if you're going to force the entrepreneur or the company, the employer, whoever is paying the wage, Uh, of what they can assign, you're not necessarily guaranteeing a a positive outcome for the individual. Because when you start doing this, what happens is employers start looking at how profitable their business is, what they can afford. And so what happens is you start seeing hours get slashed, you start seeing people let go, and you start looking for new ways to get the job done that doesn't require paying for labor, which is in an environment where we look at automation that is looking yes. to replace human beings. Uh, all you're going to do is continue to exacerbate this problem and and uh, and and put the automation um, you know roadmap uh, you know into acceleration mode uh, yes. because people that that are paying someone to get a job done are paying to get the job done. And it's interesting that we always look at, oh, well, this individual deserves a living wage. 
Well, that's 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 a, a nice thing to say, but when we start talking about how do we make that happen, we we oftentimes we gloss over the idea of well, what is it that they're doing? Are they doing something that requires a lot of skill? And uh, are they doing something that differentiates them from the rest of the the, the market? Are there jobs out there that um, you know that are plentiful for them to get? And what is the the rate of pay that's commonly associated with that? And this this notion that you're going to just continue to fix it by increasing how much the employer pays to what end? And my question would be, as they float, uh, you know, numbers like $15 minimum wage, my question is, if raising the minimum wage was the solution, why would we stop at $15 an hour? Why can't we make it $30 an hour? Why not make it $100 an hour? If, if, if just simply passing a law that states that we pay people more is, is the solution, then certainly paying them more would be better. I, I think the reason we don't get into those conversations is because we understand at a fundamental level that this is not fixing the problem. The other thing that it ignores is that in different regions of the world, uh, you have different costs of living, right? So if you take somebody that's living in the San Francisco Bay Area or New York City or, or, or some other uh, you know, high rent district, uh, the, the ability to pay your bills, pay your rent, pay for food, all of, all of the conveniences that you're looking for in life, um, it, setting a, a national minimum wage that's the same in Louisville, Kentucky as it is in San Francisco are like, like what sense would that make? The, the, uh, the economic factors are completely different. And so my, my thought on in minimum wage, I don't support it at all to be quite honest. And when I say that, I normally get, oh, well, then what would you advocate for? You know, slave wages? No, I, I, I would not advocate for that at all. I would, I would uh, look to the, to, to the fact that there are businesses that pay really well. And there are companies that want good people with good skills. And so you need to figure out what are the skills that are in high demand? How do I get these skills? And as freedom-loving people, what we need to do is make sure that the gateways for people to obtain those skills, the, those hurdles, are removed so there's access to education and there's access yes. uh, to, uh, to being able to obtain these skills that are, that, that are equal, uh, right? I'm not looking for equal outcomes. I'm looking for the equal access, which is interesting because when we talk about uh, wanting you know, people to make more money, then people, the, the same people that want the minimum wage raise are fighting you on the, on the very things that would allow somebody to increase their wage way above minimum rate, but to maximum rates. And that's things like school choice. And, and that's yes. fighting against things like occupational um, you know, licensing fees. And, and so it, it makes no sense if they're, if they're the, the same group that are creating policies that make life more expensive for everyone, including raising our taxes, right? And, and But then they want to fix the problem by saying, well, we'll just pass another piece of legislation that says that you make more money. Well, until you fix the problem of taxing us too much and 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 uh, making it cost prohibitive for people to start their own business and and uh, and not advocating for people to, uh, to choose what type of education they have so they can obtain the skills they need to compete, I really don't want to entertain the thought. I think it's 
I think it's naive. I think it's immature. And I think it's silly to advocate for a minimum wage. And anyone that's listening to this that, that thinks that, that I'm misunderstanding something, I would, just, I would just like you to break down everything that I just said and ask yourself what side of that argument that you're on. Because if you're not for school choice and if you're, if you're looking to raise taxes, you are not trying to help the person pay their bills at home. You're just not. And so you need to get straight about what your own thinking is on these on these issues. And then we can have a conversation about how wages should, uh, you know, should be distributed. Oh, you like that. I love you. Um, <laughs> no, it, so many hard hitting, impactful things in there. Right. Cost of living. As soon as you mentioned the cost of living um, between um, L.A. and San Francisco in the same state median household income or medium household uh cost is eighty thousand and a hundred and forty thousand dollars cost of living between greenville south carolina near where i live in la or sorry in san francisco cost of living is a hundred and one point four percent different the idea that a federal minimum wage is going to solve the problems for san francisco people will not be able to afford to live there so they're going to need to raise that up higher people here in greenville are going to be living like kings (laughs) like uh the centralized idea here of trying to solve this this as you said right it's silly it's nonsensical and it's it's more disruptive than than good and and certainly there's legislation not legislation there was a, a report done by the cbo right a government agency when they were advocating for the raising the minimum wage to 15 dollars an hour i believe it was in 2020 if not it was 2019 when they try to push that uh democrats were like look in the cbo report 900,000 people are going to be better off in this country. 900,000 people are going to be better off. They're going to have more wages. They're going to have more take home. They're going to be doing better off. And then we're just going to ignore the rest of what the CBO said. Because what it followed up was, was 1.5 million people were going to be making the true minimum wage of $0 because they would be let off. 1.5 million people would be hurt for the benefit of 900,000 or 900,000 people. And and this is true, right? This is just exactly what you were saying because we're not addressing the problem. And and we see this all too often when when we try to legislate to fix a problem, we're not looking at the source of the problem, right? Cost of living is incredibly high. And as you mentioned, right? This is this is because the barriers for entrepreneurship is way too high through occupational licensing, through regulatory capture, through uh through the different laws and barriers and hurdles that are put in place of business owners. Um through the through the mandates of minimum wage and through benefits and everything else and and yeah, it would be great to have just all the benefits thrown at every one of your employees because that's that's what we would like to have. But the problem is is that we've made it to where it's so incredibly difficult for small businesses to survive because we have these good intentions that we don't we don't actually address what is going to come forward from those. And and so just uh, combining all the things that you're talking about like being taxed too high on the individual side or on the business side uh tariffs of of making businesses have to spend more money in order to buy uh, sub quality services or or products here um i would love to i would love to get you on a on a tirade about tariffs but uh, <laughs> you know it, when we had the the trump tariff war if if we can describe it as such right it was it was because we had to punch china for china being too 
having too strong of a grip instead of addressing the problems here in america of why businesses can't be successful because there's been too many barriers because there's too much taxes because there's too much too much control that we would rather send it halfway across the world to china it would be cheaper to send it halfway across the world to china get a service and send it all the way back or just to buy their products we're just merely trying to give the businesses here a better fighting chance by punching other people rather than setting them free and giving them these good free economic principles that allows them to be successful and allows them to compete against China. And, and we would see a much better end result from that. And wages would go up. Would, am I, am I speaking just like crazy people here or, or, or is that like, is there some economic thinking that more products you sell, the better off your people are going to be. And then as a better, better they get the, the more that they're going to advocate for higher wages for themselves and everything else. Yeah. Successful companies want the best people. uh, And in order to get the best people, you pay the best wages. And, uh, and and so that's a twofold problem, right? Um, One of them, you have to, you have to be in position yourself to be able to get that job in order to have that job. You have to, you have to have marketable skills. Um, and so as you're, as you're spending your time, uh, you know, maintaining your entry level job and not uplifting your skills, you're not putting yourself in position for those jobs. But the other problem that's a lot more pernicious and, and something that we need to think about is that these large organizations are unfairly uh, setting the market, um, you know, where they, they, they get subsidies from the government. Uh, they get tax breaks from the government. I don't mind tax breaks, but why don't we get the same tax breaks to small businesses, right? Yes. And and then and then the legislation gets written by the lawyers working for these large corporations. And when you do that, when you combine all of those factors, you're making it very difficult on local businesses. Uh, you know, want to be uh, entrepreneurs, would be entrepreneurs, and all of the people that would benefit from working in those types of companies. And so uh, if, if you want to help small businesses, if you want to, uh, you know, explode growth outside of those, the, those, those massive companies, you know, in, in banking and tech, uh, if, you want to, if you want to support those things, there's a few things that you can do. Stop voting for higher taxes. Uh, stop voting, uh, you know, stop, stop voting for the laws that were written uh, for you know to benefit these big companies and stop voting in the politicians that are that are financed by those big companies and it's interesting because we do have candidates on the ballot uh, that that would reject that that type of uh, policy making the unfortunate thing is we also have a system that doesn't allow those politicians even on the debate stage to talk about these issues and so it, it becomes an issue where uh, we have to sit on muddy water media having a conversation about this. And hopefully when people hear this, they can think about the next time that there's a, a bill locally that's going to raise their taxes, no matter how fancy it's worded, no matter what benefit they're trying to sell you, just think about the last, you know, you know, I, I'm almost 50 years old. If I look back in my voting history, which dates back to, you know, the early 90s, every ballot, there's some sort of tax increase. And the way that they, they position it, they never say it's a tax increase. They talk about, they talk in loving terms about how it's going to help the school, how it's going to help the parks, how it's going to help the this, help the that. And people that say, well, I'd like to help those things, uh, you know, just fall for it and say, yeah, let me vote for this tax. And, and so, 
you know, if, if you want government to stop spending so much money, uh, quit giving them the green light to do that. You know, I mean, you, you do have a say in these things. And uh, unfortunately, people get tricked. And oftentimes, uh, it's, it's, it, we see this in big cities where, um, where a, a particular party dominates big cities and they advocate for a particular bill, they push a bill, and then the people that you know identify you know with that letter, they just see that that uh, their favorite politician, the one that they that they voted for, is supporting this. They don't look at it. They don't pay attention to it. If if you really want more money on your check, if you want life to be more affordable, you have to stop advocating and co-signing on policies that are raising your cost of living. That's it's that it's that simple. Yeah. No, absolutely. And and. While you're talking about these measures, um, there's one measure that that really stuck out in my head for a local one here. Um, thankfully, I, I live in a state where in our constitution, our state's constitution, it's basically one topic, one bill. You can't you can't divert and, and throw a bunch of other stuff on there. But we we had a, a gas tax raise, and of course, gas tax means roads, roads, guys. We need roads. Roads are great. But roads are fantastic. They get you from from your neighbors or from your house to your neighbors to the to the businesses to 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 school where you can get inundated with with you know all that good stuff questionable um and and everything else but you know we always see these increases right we want to see these increases the government says we need to increase the revenue and then we'll we'll spend more and we'll fix these issues um but we never actually address the the um uh inflation there we go we never actually address the inflation which means that while they're taking more and more of our money uh your money is also worth less and less and and certainly at the same time because they're able to just arbitrarily say look we're going to pass this and and certainly they use their politicians to do this there's no accountability there because it's not their money it's your money and and when you spend somebody else's money you're going to be a lot less careful with it than when you spend your own right you worked hard for your money you're gonna you're gonna care about you know you're investing in the good stuff right you you don't want to get something that's going to break the next day but what we have is these continual promises right for the last 200 years or so of we're gonna fix your roads guys and just let's raise it another half a percent another percent another you know and and what we see is no changes to the roads, but we see an increase in our money to coming out, uh, both through the inflation and through through taxes. Um, and so eventually, we have to we have to take we have to swallow that hard pill of they're not they don't care. They don't care. They want their their green line at the end. They want it to stay green. They want a higher revenue than they did the the year before. And they're gonna play pay you lip service. Maybe they'll fix that one road. Maybe they'll fix this other highway. But if you drive into South Carolina, if coming if you come from North Carolina into South Carolina, you're gonna feel the roads before you see the sign. <laughs> like we we have this problem where we raise our taxes because the other states have higher taxes. We should have higher taxes. Okay, can we have better roads? No, 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 guys. We these are these are trademark South Carolina roads. You've got potholes everywhere. This is beautiful. If, if they ever fix the roads, Jason, if they ever fix the roads to your liking, where you would say, wow, these roads are the best roads ever, then they couldn't come to you and tell you that they're going to fix the roads. Mm-hmm. They can't fix the roads. They, 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 they need that as leverage to ask for money again later. Well, so 
one quick pushback on this because we have a giant corrupt guy here in South Carolina. His name is Senator Hugh Leatherman, and he is roughly around 9,700 years old, uh, but he's the longest sitting senator. He is the most powerful man in our General Assembly. Um, his son-in-law runs the DOT, so... Um, when um he wants his roads for his people fixed his roads are literally paved in gold like these are beautiful gorgeous you can eat off of them they there's if you find a pothole like he will give you five hundred dollars to fix it <laughs> like the, he's paying you so that he can fix that road so that he can have an impeccable road um this shows you that he's in it for himself because he wants his roads to be nice with a uh, uh I, I want to say that the population the population of, of drivers is roughly around 10% go through this county of Florence County here in South Carolina um, which is where the presidential debate was uh, back in 2020 if you guys remember that but um, a third a third of every dollar is going to Florence County to fix those roads so it, if they're fixing their roads, they're probably corrupt. If the rest of the roads are all shit and a pothole ridden, but you've got like this little golden area, that's a corrupt politician almost guaranteed. But in, in general, I do agree. They're never going to fix the roads. They don't fix their problems because these are oftentimes, right? When we see Republicans come out for pro-life measures, they they generally don't actually follow through on those because that's a big ticket for getting votes. Um, they, they have to stay in power because they love the power because it's lucrative. Yeah, governments governments don't fix problems. They they subsidize them. It's 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 their it's their their role to uh, to figure out how you can move the needle just far enough to get people to want you in power, but not far enough where they don't need you in power. They're they're never they're never going to do. Uh, you're never going to get your money's worth from a politician. Period. No. Especially when when we talked, we're speaking earlier about like you know a little guy being able to compete with a big guy, and and how you do that is by letting him be able to fight against this. Who is actually competing against the government right now? It's a monopoly. It's an absolute monopoly. No one is able to compete against the government on on all the different things that they've decided upon. This is why school choice doesn't pass nationwide because they don't want to actually have competition. This is why more than sixty percent of kids go to public schools is because. For these kids, they can't go to another school because their parents' money, their taxes are still going to those public schools. So we have we have taken the opportunity away from people by forcing them to pay for the government decision, lim- thereby limiting private opportunities. And then in many circumstances, it's it's completely illegal to have the private entrepreneurs be able to actually rival against against the monopoly of the state. And and so. If we want a better society, we have to have those free market principles. We have to have the idea that if you have a better way, society would benefit from you being able to bring that idea forward. Um, trying to run it through Congress, I mean, we've seen how how they earmark everything, how they add taxes and, and subsidize, and, and they pick their winners and losers um, by virtue of this. If we want a better society, it has to be through those free market values. Now, how does this get back to the individual rights? Because I, I, we've hit a lot of free market, but but I want to move on to the individual side of things as well. Because you know we can talk about like our own individuals of like us trying to to accrue more wealth or or more status or more education, more wisdom, and everything else through all these means. But how does how does the free market actually 
beyond just the entrepreneurs how does how does letting the free market exist how does that help every individual yeah it, well it, it individual liberty is is something where we it, it touches every facet and so many issues uh if i start listing them uh we could go in in tangents in a million different For directions <laughs> uh, just here here's 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 an easy one uh the the right which is constitutionally uh protected uh to be able to bear arms uh individuals should be able to buy a firearm and and now we have state governments that are trying to circumvent uh the federal government with with uh telling you what you can buy what you can't buy um uh you you know instituting uh you know new fees new taxes bullet taxes trying to make it too expensive where an individual can no longer afford to even have the right to have a firearm. And when you think about what a firearm is for, there's multiple things, right? Uh, the Constitution didn't mince words. Uh, you know, it, it was, it was uh, shall not be infringed. And when you look at the intent of why the First Amendment was there, was in case the government got too tyrannical, you could, you could defend yourself. But even if you didn't buy that argument, which I, by the way, do, I think a lot yeah. of people uh, look at, at uh you, you, they, they think in the comfort of their ho own home that, oh, it could never happen here. I mean, look, look throughout human history. It, it, you don't have to go too far back. It happens. It happens more often than it should. And it usually uh, starts with uh, taking people's weapons, right? You take, you disarm them and then, and then the tyranny comes. And so when, when I look at, uh, you know, just something as simple as the, uh, the, the individual freedom to purchase a firearm, when I look at the way that the, the economics ties into this, they make it so expensive where you're basically saying that as a poor person, you can't yes. have a gun. So if you're wealthy enough, you can have a gun. And if you think outside of you know protecting yourself from a tyrannical government and you look at the other uh, practical uses of a firearm, you can hunt with it. You can defend yourself with it. You're now saying that, that, that somebody doesn't have the right to feed themselves, doesn't have the right to protect themselves. And and who are you saying can't do it? You're not saying that that, that anybody that, that all people can't do it. You're just simply saying that poor people can't do it. Yes. And so when we when we think about individual liberty, um, you know, it, again, they're not saying that people can't have guns. They're they're simply saying that that we're going to make it so expensive. We're going to make it cost prohibitive for you to do this. I mean, even AK-47s, you could still buy now. Uh, if 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 uh, you know if if they were if they were made a, a before a certain year, if you're willing to surrender your Fourth Amendment right, and if you're willing to put up a bond, there's a lot of hurdles you have to go through, and the street value on that is is astronomical. Yep. Uh, so again, you have to be wealthy in order to be able to freely purchase what you want. Which uh, I'm hoping the economics of uh, building building out, um, uh, uh, you know. Uh, uh, you know your home builds via a 3d printer right now it's not it, as cost effective as it should be but it is important i just went to a class uh, over this weekend that was great uh and it, it, essentially you can make your own guns uh you just can't distribute them you can't sell them but you can make your own so yep. i uh highly advocate for anyone that is worried about where the government might be going on uh infringing on that personal liberty uh, you could buy a great 3D printer for about for under two hundred dollars, and uh, and so I would I would look into that. Uh, hopefully, the cost of of printing them continues to go down, so we could we could make that uh, more beneficial. But uh, again, that's that's a way that you can protect your right to 
you know, to have a firearm. Yeah. So that, that's one area. Um, we could we could hit many others, but uh, that that that's one that uh, hits home for me. No, that definitely it's definitely a, a soft spot in my heart too for especially the guns thing uh, because it's it, it is right it's a it's a tax on being poor it, we don't want you to be able to defend yourself we don't want and and certainly as the society is looking right um, we have many talking points and and whether we agree or disagree with them um, but the notion there that the the middle class is shrinking and it's going away and we're having you know the, the perception there is that the poor people are growing right we're having more and more people that are unable to to perform for themselves um unable to protect themselves unable to provide for themselves or their families and and they put these new taxes they put these new barriers there for people to defend themselves um and and as you were saying right if you're rich enough if you can put the money up and you can file all of your um you can get all of your certifications you become an ffl you get become a class three um firearms uh dealer you can have fully automatic firearms still and and you have to get one that i believe the year was 1987 uh any firearm before then that was fully automatic you can still get those today now um the atf and the cia went through and bought up a bunch of these destroyed a, a massive amount of them in order to lower the supply while the demands remain the same so it's caused the prices to skyrocket so now people don't have these things um which i think is it's your right to have them it, it, there shouldn't be a fine there shouldn't be a fee there shouldn't be a tax for you practicing whatever you see fit for protecting yourself now oftentimes people will say that this is that the second amendment is is what we use to justify all these mass killings and everything else but i i think when we look at the individual rights of you being able to protect yourself and and the cdc having a study back in 2014 before they were prohibited from looking at firearm safety stats um between 500,000 and 3 million uh, defensive use of firearms each and every year far outweighing the the uh, events of casualties or or um, malicious events um, of, of violence against people so yes second amendment gun safety it leads to a safer society a, an armed society is a polite society i i i, I grew up uh for m many of my years back in alaska where it was a constitutional carry state constitutional open state um i still remember seeing trucks uh, the back window of their trucks you had a gun rack of not just one shotgun but like a rifle and a shotgun like they didn't care what kind of animal they were running into they didn't care what kind of road rager was there if they felt their life was threatened they had a means of being able to defend themselves and, and not just there on the window but likely they also had a a glock or something down in, in near their legs i mean these these were people that you just waved at them sorry you cut me off have a great day like it, you didn't see road rage accidents you didn't see people like just trying to get out there and beat each other up because people were like you know what it's really not worth it yeah that guy's a dick that guy's a dick he pulled he pulled out in front of me he's a dick go on about your your day i it's not worth it for me or maybe it is maybe i'm gonna flash my gun at him and be like hey motherfucker like you're coming at me and i'm i'm not okay with this we we there, there's kind of a, a, an equalizer there and so people have to gauge themselves and yeah. and and i don't think that putting more barriers in the way of people being able to defend themselves as we as we talk about like societies across the country um 
a, a young single mother of three kids in Chicago shouldn't have to have extra taxes and barriers in front of her for being able to defend herself, right? Uh, Chicago is a common talking point for people for gun violence, and, and rightfully so. There's so much gang violence. There's so many killings happening there. It's, it's, it's expected. Why are we erecting hurdles for these single parents? Why are we erecting hurdles for people? For them to practice their self-defense and defense of others right, which is inherent, inalienable, cannot be severed. It, it, it's 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 frustrating for me and and like i said it's a soft spot in my heart i i talk to democrats and republicans on this because it's it's one of those things that we can we can make movement by messaging it the proper way and and we have to we have to not just for the sake of of our own individual freedoms but for society's betterment absolutely absolutely uh we we could talk about this one i, I mean i, I want to try to touch on some of the, the hotbed ones right yeah. like, so when we think of like liberty for uh, you know who you can marry, um, I think that there's this cultural war of uh, and and the Libertarian Party has uh, has been there since day one at advocating for same sex marriage. Where I have a slightly nuanced approach on that, where it, it's um, I don't think the government should be involved in the marriage licensing business. Period. Um, this idea of you know waging a culture war over who should, who shouldn't get married? Like, why not take that um, that that authority away from the government? Why why should I have to pay a fee to the government to decide, you know, who I'm going to spend the rest of my life with? And and then and then it's it, it's even more expensive if you decide that you don't want to be married anymore. Oh. And so it it becomes this huge racket. And so I think that uh, you know whether whether you're gay, whether you're straight, wherever you fall on that issue. I think there's a vested interest for everyone to say, hey, I don't think the government should have a say in this thing at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they definitely uh, have no right telling people who they can love. And the fact that they're going to try to turn it into a profit center when somebody is in love by, uh, you know, by, by paying them a, a licensing fee just seems uh, ridiculous to me. Yes. And, uh, and it's also like, why are we incentivizing it? Like, it, you know, if, if people want to get married, let them let them get married. If they want to stay single, let them stay single. Like, they, let people freely choose what they want to do. Yes. We have blurred the lines and and just accepted that it's the government's role to do to have a say in all of these things. That society couldn't possibly work out any of these challenges on their own without the help of the government. And 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 you know, that would just be one example of where. I just feel like we're fighting the wrong fight there. Like it, we shouldn't be fighting for marriage equality. We should be fighting for, you know, government stay the fuck out of marriage. Right. Yeah. It, like that, that's, that's the issue. And, and then that way you have true equality because um, you have the freedom to do whatever it is that you choose to do. Uh, provided you're not hurting anybody else. You, you're all good. Yeah. As long as there's consent between the two people, do what you want to do. And, and, and having this discussion with government advocates, I found that their, their strongest argument, if you will, is for not for the life of people, but for the death in people. And so, um, the government needs to have a say, because if, if, should I die, right, they want to be able to redistribute my property and everything else. And so having a marriage would be a, a good way for that. And, and, I, I I have a will. I have lawyers. I have I have a system in place that can that works just fine without that. Um, now, granted, I am I am also 
I, I've had a will since I was in the Navy, you know, going on my first underway, not guarantee you're coming back. So I had a will from then. Um, so I, I, I'm not in a circumstance that a lot of people have, but granted, I don't think that this is, this should be something that is so in incredibly involved from the government, right? We shouldn't have this. It, it, there's no necessity for it. And I completely agree with you. The other argument, of course, is on taxes. And it's just like civil unions. So somebody who's not married by under with a license, but live together for a certain period of time based on your state um, is now considered married even for taxes. And so it's like, so the government doesn't need to be involved once again. Like, I, I completely agree. We need to have the argument of of government nullification on marriages, absolutely through and through. On 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 that and on sex, like two people consenting to have sex. I don't care what the terms and conditions are. I, like the one of the most frustrating things for me is is of course the the conversation every libertarian likes to go to is of course sex work, and it's just like. You know, sex work is absolutely legal as long as you record it and plan to, to to sell the videos at the end of it. Um, it's just as soon as you you don't have the the video being taken and money's being transferred, that somehow is illegal. It's just like we have this entire system all, all kind of screwed up because the government is stupid. Um, it's ineffective and it's inefficient, right? Prostitution is something that's been around for forever. And, and, and of course, as we've discussed so many different black market topics here on the show before, uh, you know, we had the war on drugs and, and, uh, I've touched on, on some other ones, but putting a war on prostitution or sex work, isn't going to make sex work safer. It's not going to make it better for anyone who's actually engaged in this. And we, we've seen this time and time again, of course, sex trafficking is wrong, right? Uh, doing this without somebody's consent. But at the end of the day, right? What two consenting people are doing with each other, whether it's a marriage and union or whatever kind of, of, of coming togetherness it is, if it's tra- transactional of, of money or, or services or whatever else, this is, this should be allowed, and this I agree with the the nullification of government involvement on it. Yeah, the sex work one's interesting. Uh, sex is perfectly legal to uh, to give away consensually, but uh, but once once you profit from it, uh, then then that's problematic. And so I, I don't understand what, what the challenge. Is. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it, it, it's beautiful, but. So we've hit two two big topics: um, guns, sex, or sex and marriage. What's the other? What's the other hot topic one that you think that we would be remiss without missing for the last and final? Yeah, I mean, when we talk about our personal freedoms, everyone, depending on we, we we've kind of jumped into these tribes, and if you come from from uh, you, you know the tribe that wears the D as a symbol or a tribe that wears an R as a symbol, uh, you think of your personal liberty in these different ways. And I think th- from my perspective, the big recognition that we have to do is, is recognize that even if it's not a personal liberty that I per- am, am affected by, we should all be advocating for all of those liberties that do not infringe on other people's rights. And, and so, when when I when I look at something like let's say uh, a mandate, for example, on uh, on I was a vaccine, hoping you were gonna pick this. I was hoping you were gonna yeah, pick this. It, <laughs> you know, it, somehow somehow this uh, infectious disease became a uh, a political uh, football, 
to be kicked around. And uh, I, I'm somebody that due to my own personal circumstances, I decided to get the vaccine. And like, I'm sure there are people listening going, oh no, you're crazy. Oh, but, I have to hate but, you. I have to end the segment right now. No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> it, 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 it could happen. But, but, but the, the reality is I love the fact that I can choose that. Mm-hmm. I love the idea that I can choose to, to do my own research. I could choose to get it or I could choose not to get it. The idea, though, now that we have a government that feels that they can, um, you know, step in with medical coercion uh, and and force people with what they're going to do uh, in terms of a procedure that, uh, and I'm not going to get into, you know, the efficacy of the vaccine. Again, I did the research and I got it, right? So uh, I'm not going to have that conversation, but I will say that it is a hard line for me against these mandates because, uh, you should be able to freely choose what to do. And, and when, you, when you hear the arguments of why you must uh, mandate this, they don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. We, we're, we're talking about um, you know, something that is designed to protect the self, right? It, you could still catch it. You could still spread it. And so the idea that, that, that me getting vaccinated is going to help other people if I believed that, I would still probably say that there's a better way outside of the, the uh, of, of mandating it. Because the, the truth of the matter is, is if you don't want to catch it, you still have responsibility of where you choose to go and what you choose to do. If you want the vaccine, get the vaccine. Guess what? It's available. You can get the vaccine. We There are places in this world where you don't have access to it. We yeah. should love the idea that we can get it, can't get it. But the fact that this is a political issue, um, I, I like it, it's crazy to me. Uh, I've heard the body autonomy argument, and I think it's a good one because you shouldn't be able to tell somebody what they uh, should or shouldn't do with their body. I think that that's uh, that that's sound. If we wanted to get more dramatic than that, we could talk about what happened with medical coercion after World War II. Uh, you know, the, the Nazis were guilty of medical coercion, and uh, they went to Nuremberg and they got hung. And now I'm not saying Dr. Fauci should get hung. All I'm saying is that if he went to trial, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, and, and if, so we are on the opposite sides of this when it comes to personal choice on this, right? I I have not taken the vaccine. My wife cannot have the vaccine. And I'm right there with you, right? I uh, I have friends that have been vaccinated. My family members have been vaccinated. I'm all for it. Everyone should have that choice. I'm against it personally. You're for it personally. And that's, this is what libertarianism is. The idea that my decisions are my own, your decisions are your own, and we don't have to have an arbitrator to decide on my decision it has to be your decision or your decision has to be my decision. Um, and, and just to hammer some of the points you were making, and, and I love each and every one of them because they're so important, right? It does make people safer. We've seen this. It makes it where you're less likely to, uh, to, or, uh, to have the the uh, the coronavirus itself, you're less likely to have devastating results. You can still die from it, of course. You're, but it does greatly diminish the opportunities of of having catastrophic uh, situations. So this this has to be on the mind of everyone as they're weighing these out, the pros and cons of both ways. Um, and and as you said, right, it's not a hundred percent, and it, it isn't. It isn't, and and so we know that. 
And so we have to allow for people to decide on which trade-off they want, because remember, there is no solutions, only trade-offs. So do you want to take the risk? Because there has been, there have been some people, not very many uh, comparatively, but there have been some people who have negative effects from the COVID vaccine itself. And so we cannot make that decisions for others. We have to allow for people to make those decisions. So from the Muddy Waters team, every single one of us have said this, and I think this is the first time I'm saying it live on a show. Get the vaccine if you want to. If you don't want to, I support you. I support you either way. I am personally not taking the vaccine right now. I may in a couple weeks, may in a couple months. I Who knows what I'm going to do? But, but until then, it's my choice. Even if the government mandates it, it's still my choice. And and I want to I want to plug back to two weeks ago when I had Dwayne Lester on. And one of the questions that he had asked was, um, if you you know a just government collects its power from the people and how can you give the government a power that you do not have i do not have the power to tell sean he cannot have the vaccine sean does not have the power to tell me i have to have the vaccine so the government doesn't have that authority and that's why we are seeing so many people on both sides of this equation both sides on this topic coming out here and and supporting the libertarian position of make your own decision and this is what's so incredibly important. This is what's beautiful. And and I'm glad that this is our final conversation piece because this is how we actually see the libertarian philosophy infiltrate itself into the Republican and Democratic talking points because we're seeing Democrats who are typically viewed at in this topic as being pro-vaccine. We're seeing Republicans who are typically against the vaccine. In, in large swaths. Some of them are very Trumpian, and, and so th- that's a different beast to handle in itself. But we are seeing people from both sides saying, look, we're against this mandate because it's somebody's decision. Get the vaccine if you want to. Don't get it if you don't want to. We are seeing us actually infiltrate the culture. We are actually influencing the culture, and this is what's so important. This is why it's so amazing to have people on like Sean who just knock it out of the park with with absolute logic and intellect and wisdom and understanding of these topics. And we have to keep talking about these things. We have to keep making a difference. Um, I, I I love you, Sean. I appreciate you for coming on. Any last words you want to want to share? No, I just really appreciate you having me on, and uh, I'm looking forward to what we're going to be doing on the fourth. Uh, that's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, just you know everything that you've been doing uh, inspires me. Uh, it's it's folks like yourself that have uh, helped me to get more involved locally, which um, I, I think is uh, I, I've been on the fence. I've been a big L for I think 27 years, uh, and uh, I'm sorry, small L for okay. for 27 years. And uh, but a big L for only six plus months, and and I trace this back to uh, you know meeting folks like yourself that uh, that have really like kind of paved the way and shown me that uh, you know sitting on the sidelines and uh, and having opinions is not enough. You got to roll up your sleeves. You got to get your hands dirty a little bit. And uh, and so I just wanted to thank you for uh, you know being one of those people that's inspired me. I appreciate it so much, Sean. I I love you, man. I appreciate you. You're always more than welcome to come on. Whenever you have a topic you want to share, you're more than welcome to pitch it at me. I'll I'll follow up with you, of course. And uh, I I love you and appreciate you, man. And uh, just keep being better than me at everything that you're doing. Uh, We'll get your beard up there. But um, but with that, guys, I do want to plug. Uh, we do have Cajun Libertarian live on his page coming up right now. You guys are more than welcome to hop over, check out Cajun. He's normally here Friday nights. But 
For the rest of the week, Tuesday night, tomorrow night, you've got Spike and Matt. Go over to anchor.fm slash muddywatersoffreedom and drop them an anchor call-in moment. You'll get heard live on the show tomorrow night. Uh, always fantastic. Then Wednesday night, Spike Cohen with My Fellow Americans. Thursday night, Writer's Block with Matt Wright. And then, of course, as I've already mentioned, from Bayous to Igloos, Friday night with Cajun and Eskimo Libertarian. It is one hell of a week here on Muddy Waters Media. You don't want to miss a thing. And make sure, if you guys haven't already, get over to anchor.fm slash freedom slash subscribe join in on the exclusive community and get in on the great content that we're about to give y'all so without further ado i love you sean i appreciate you so much i hope you have a great night and for the rest of you guys stay good stay loving and keep spreading the love appreciate y'all take care thanks jason bye-bye